You know the feeling where you're listening to a song or watching a movie or even visiting with friends and time completely disappears. It evaporates like you're so connected in the moment that you have no focus on anything else and time just stands still. That's the kind of connection we are made to have with God and that unity is possible right here and right now. That's today on the podcast. This is Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thanks so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. We are finishing up the sermon series, Beyond Belief, Why Salvation, Jesus, and Heaven Are Infinitely Bigger Than You Had Imagined. And in this last week of the series, Pastor Jason talks about how being in union with God is like being completely connected so that there is no space where you end and God begins. It's like growing your branches directly from the vine. So let's check it out right now. And I hope this has been a good journey for you during Lent. If this is your first day and you missed everything, that's okay. Hopefully today will still make sense. And uh, you can always get cut up. Go to TowerHillChurch.org and under sermons, you can listen to all of them. If you're the kind of person that listens to podcasts, you can find it in podcast form on iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, But basically, I'm going to review a little bit so that we can get all caught up for anyone who missed the beginning. And that's this is that we started with this very basic question that a lot of us maybe accidentally end up answering in a very particular way. And that's this. Is is there a line of faith that I need to cross to make sure that I'm good with God, that I get to go to the good place when I die, that I'm all set when it comes to this next life? Like, where's that line? In other words, what are the minimum requirements it's going to take to make sure that I am good with God? And, you know, it doesn't take very long to figure out that, okay, maybe that's not exactly what God has in mind for me. It happens accidentally. It's sort of like, you know, with my kids, all right, don't fight with your sister. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you, right? It's like, where can I just get right up to the line and stop and make sure that I technically obey, but I'm good to go? I feel like we do this in our faith all the time. It's like, okay, just so long as I'm good with God, and then, you know, I sort of see God leaving me in the distance as I stay here, just slightly across the line. But of course, this makes no sense because that wouldn't be a relationship. It would be like on my wedding day if I'm just like, okay, honey, what are the minimum requirements for me to be married to you? I'd still be single to this day. <laughs> Jesus never says that. He, said, he never says, here are the minimum requirements. He says, follow me. Do what I do. Care about what I care about. Lift up what I lift up. Keep pace with me in your life. Let your journey be led by me, but never stop moving forward. And we've been talking, too, that this life that that God calls us on, this journey that he calls us on, is, is about eternal life. And eternal life is not just quantitative in nature. It's qualitative in nature. It's, it's a different kind of life. That from the moment we enter it, we are living differently than we were before. 
Eternal life is a different life that God calls us on. And we were saying how, uh, last week, we were saying how this life, it begins with an awakening. The journey starts with an awakening. And, you know, whatever life I had before Jesus was just that. It was my life before Jesus. It was a different kind of life. And then I had this awakening. We talk about awakenings like a mountaintop, where we have this mountaintop experience with God. And some of you, you've had an experience like that, maybe sometime in your distant past, maybe even when you were a kid. You felt like you were on a mountaintop with God, that you had a spiritual experience and you didn't know how to put words around it. You felt like you were in God's presence, that you experienced his light. And others of you, you're like, I don't even know if I've had that yet. I think, too, that uh, there's a misconception that it's got to look like some kind of huge movie scene where we, you know, where the light just shines on us and everything's, you know, perfect and the birds are singing and... It, it, not exactly. That's not exactly what I mean. I mean that you've had enough of an experience with God that you feel that he's there. That you feel like your faith is something that is real. It's not something that you're just imagining in your head, but something that you can feel to the core of your being. That's an awakening. And this, that's eternal life. So eternal life begins now. That's what we've been saying with this uh, book that we've been referencing that says eternity is now in session. This life We'll keep going forever, but it's a different life than the life that we were born with. And that begins with an awakening. Now, after the mountaintop, we've got to figure out how to live in this new life. And this next stage in uh, the spiritual growth journey, the technical word is purgation, right? Purgation, this is like uh, a spiritual juice cleanse, sort of. All you cleansers out there, God bless you. You can smile occasionally, it's okay. We love you, just, you look, you're all sad and you know, defeated and you're looking at the cheeseburger longingly. I know, I know. But, but you're a lot healthier as a result. Why? Because you're getting the toxins, you're flushing the toxins out of your system. And so this, spiritually speaking, is saying, okay, I've had this awakening with God and now I want to make sure that the way I live my life, the way that I walk shows that I'm living in this new life. I, I don't want to keep blocking up what God's trying to do with my own sin and brokenness. It's allowing Jesus in to say, hey, there are some things in your life that are keeping God at an arm's length and keeping other people at an arm's length, and God wants to get rid of that. God wants to purge you of those things so that his light can shine through you more and more. I think an example of this, at the risk of oversharing, when I first became a Christian, age 19, many of you know my story, it was at a summer camp, it was actually literally on a mountaintop, which is kind of crazy, um, and right after that, I knew that I was living this life. I didn't have a theological framework around it yet, I didn't really know what it meant, I just knew that I had this experience of God and I wanted to live it out, and then it happened during my college years. Here I, here I was, a freshman, I had joined a fraternity, go off for the summer, start this eternal life with God, come back wearing a cross around my neck with my fraternity brothers. They're like, what happened to you? you know? oh, J Tucker joined a cult over the summer. <laughs> right? like, 
I mean, there are all sorts of stuff. And let's just say I had a certain reputation before I left for camp. And they were expecting a different version of me that showed up for my sophomore year. And at first, it wasn't a problem. I was feeling bold. I was feeling energized. I was feeling, I was feeling the awakening in my life. And then as time went on, and I spent more time away from the mountaintop, that light began to fade. And, and those toxins that had been in me before started creeping back in. Purgation is not something that's like a one and done. It's something that's always happening. We're always... But it starts with you inviting God in to get that stuff out. You're not going to do it on your own. It's, all right, God, what are those things that are stopping people from seeing the light in me? Do I have some habits that people are misreading? Is it showing up in my relationships, how I treat people? Is it showing up in my marriage? Is it showing up in my job? Is it showing up? In my joy or my lack thereof. That's the next step that we have been talking about. And so really, all of this to say, and this is what we've been getting at the last six weeks. Salvation is not just a status that I've crossed the line and I'm good with God. Like, it is... But that's not the complete answer. Salvation is also something that's getting worked out every single day. I'm saved and I'm being saved. Because salvation is transformation. It's the process by which I am becoming more and more like Jesus. But don't believe me. Believe Jesus. Here's what he says about it. So Matthew seven twenty one, he says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. In other words, not everyone who knows about me is going to see the kingdom of heaven. You have to actually know me. It's, it's not just head knowledge. It's head knowledge combined with action. Jesus always framed it this way. So you see, it's not minimum requirements. It's a relationship. He also says in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I'm kind of haunted by these questions, to be honest. Dang. I have some explaining to do. Or John 14, If you love me, keep my commands. Like, that's how you show that you love me. It's like in my marriage... I can't just say, I love you, I love you, I love you, and then all my actions just disprove that or don't back that up in any way. You've got to have both. You've got to have the word, and you have to have the action behind it. Or that's not really love. Now, John 15, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. You will remain in my love if you keep my commands. And so this leads us to the next step that we're going to talk about today. The next step of this spiritual journey. So we had awakening and purgation, and now we're in this next step, which is known as illumination. And that happens when you remain in God's love. It's about letting your awakening be reflected in your walking. Right? My awakening is reflected in my walking. And so 
what it looks like is illumination is the process by which I've come to think and see like Jesus. You've experienced this before in your life. Anybody have a best friend and the more time you spend together, the more you could like guess each other's sentences? Or maybe even you took on the way they laugh? That happens when you get close to someone. In a similar way, when you get closer to Jesus, you start to see and think like Jesus. You start to respond in a way that looks more and more like Jesus. That is the spiritual formation process. That's the salvation process, is that you are growing closer and closer to him. I think it's like a, like a method actor. It's like a method actor. I think of Daniel Day-Lewis. And what do great method actors do, right? Is they get into character. They get into character. So um, there are some stories of him when they were shooting Gangs of New York, uh, and he played a character called Bill the Butcher. This is uh, 2002. And it said that for his role as Bill the Butcher, uh, he took lessons as an apprentice butcher and always stayed in character on set. He talked in a New York accent and sharpened knives between takes. It was a creepy character. <laughs> he refused to wear a warm jacket and ended up catching pneumonia. So it was really cold on shooting and he refused to wear a jacket, a modern jacket, because he said it wasn't in keeping with the character. Now, I don't know if this is urban legend or not, but I also heard that, that he refused modern treatment for pneumonia once he contracted. Now, maybe that's taking it a little far. I don't know. But the point is this, the point is, is he wanted to so identify with the character, he wanted to let the character inhabit him so that he saw and thought like the character, so that when, when the camera was rolling, he could move and think and act instinctively like that character would. This is not unlike what illumination what Jesus is all about is that we allow him to inhabit us so much so that we start to think and act and see like him. You know, it's fascinating to me. Um, I mean, spiritual growth is pretty mainstream. There's a whole section at Barnes & Noble about it, right? <laughs> There's tons of books uh, just search your social media feed. There's lots of people who have lots of answers. And the difference is, is the starting point. So the starting point for what the world would say is your spiritual growth path is all about discovery of yourself. What Jesus does is he flips that on its head. He's like, it's about discovery of Jesus, and then you become your true self. The more and more you become like, it's actually loss of self and becoming more and more like Jesus. That's the Christian spiritual formation path. Not that all the other stuff isn't good. I think there's lots of good stuff out there. But it's not the same. It's not even the same idea. It's loss of self into greater Christ-likeness. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's how he frames it to us. That if we're going to see and think like Jesus, it's got to show up in how we act 
and how we love. He doubles down on this on the other side of the resurrection. He emphasizes to his disciples. I don't know if you remember the story, but he is on a beach and his disciples are fishing. This is after the resurrection and they haven't seen him resurrected yet. They all went back to their day job because they're like, well, that's over. Jesus died. Let's go back to fishing. I don't know. That's what we know. And, uh, and then there's this really wonderful moment when, you know, they weren't catching anything and Jesus says, cast your nets, and then they catch all this fish, and then Peter's like, aha, I've seen this before, it's Jesus, and then he jumps off the boat and he's, again, and uh, swims to shore. And they have this time with Jesus together around the fire. And Jesus, in this really wonderful, mo- redemptive moment with Peter, he asks three times, says, do you love me? As a way of echoing the three times Peter denied, he gives him three opportunities to make it right. Do you love me? And Jesus says this, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. If you love me, you're going to keep my commands. You're going to show you love me if you're feeding my sheep. Let's go to John 15, verses 1 through 5, because I think it explains it really well. This is the basis, really, for spiritual formation are these verses. I encourage you, if you brought your own Bible, you may want to mark these verses for your continued study. Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What is the purpose of fruit? To feed the sheep. So spiritual formation looks something like this. We have this awakening. And we allow God in. We say, God, help me to look more and more like you. And that's going to mean purging some things out of my life. And then the more that happens, the more I can see and think the way that Jesus does. And if I remain in him like a vine and branches, that I'm going to bear fruit that are going to live out his command to me to feed his sheep. Now, I also don't want you to get the idea that this is something that it's like, it goes in very neat, tidy stages, and then you're done, and everything's good. This is a, a rinse, wash, repeat. It, it's uh, happened continually in our lives in all different areas. This is the process of greater Christ-likeness. This is the process of living out his commands to love others, to feed his sheep. I love the word remain, too. Remain in me. What does remain mean? It means not leaving, staying put, lingering. It's not just a line to be crossed it's, it's a person to follow. I must remain 
with Jesus. Like a branch connected to the vine where all of who I am is being fed by my Heavenly Father. And this leads to really the end game of spiritual formation, and that is union. Union. Union is the result of remaining in Jesus. In the book, Eternity is Now in Session, John Ortberg talks about how we're made for union with God. He says, we were made for union with God. This idea can sound esoteric or like an experience reserved for monks and mystics, but you have already tasted it. When you were so caught up in a moment of a play or music or work or creating or relating that was so filled with life that you lost all concern for yourself and yet felt more yourself than ever. We live in a high-pressured area. In fact, many of us move to this area because we have a particular view of what success in life looks like. And then when we think that we've achieved all that we dreamed would make us happy, we find that we're still falling short. And we don't know why. And we might think, hey, what's going on? I thought if I reached this mountaintop, I would finally be satisfied. What happened? And that's because real fullness, real fulfillment, real satisfaction happens in a relationship with Jesus. You can be happy. You can experience happiness and success and all those things, but it's like a warm bath. Those things will fade over time. But the joy that comes from remaining in the one true vine is something that no one can shake. No circumstance can dissolve. So is there a line of faith? Is there a line? Yes, of course there's a line. But it's not just about getting into heaven. It's about getting heaven into you. Why? So that you can produce fruit and you can feed his sheep. Did you know that you're God's plan A for reaching the world with his message? I know whenever I think that out, I'm like, really? We're your best idea? Man. But we are. And it's okay if you feel like you're not good enough. Because you're not. Neither am I. That's not the point. We wouldn't need a savior if we didn't need saving. Eternal life is qualitative. Awakening, purgation, illumination, and ultimately union. I want to close with this scripture because I think it, it really uh, sums it up. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So here's my question. Here's my question for us today. What would it look like and feel like to actually have union 
with Jesus? What would it look like? In other words, oftentimes what stops us from following Jesus across the line is fear. Because we're afraid, oh, is it gonna, it's going to change me, and it's going to change my life, and it's going to change my marriage, it's going to change my job, and uh, I don't, I'm scared of that. I've worked hard to be where I am. I, even, the, even if you're not feeling fully satisfied, you're still afraid of what that might look like, as if God didn't have his best plan prepared for you. What would it look like if you let him in more? Instead of the, technically not, technically across the line. My prayer for you and for me is that we would trust in him to transform us. That we would move beyond belief and into real discipleship. Amen. Amen.